afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands. This is episode number 49. And today uh, we have Maggie back. Maggie still here in New Hampshire. So Indeed. Uh, From my parents' this? basement this time. So we're, you know, <laughs> right. really covering all the territory. <laughs> right. I'd say, you know, here where the sun is shining, but except we're both in basements. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not so much on the sunshine, but nor is there sunshine outside indeed today. But uh, As, And we just had a terrible lightning storm and, and lost our internet for a few minutes. So I don't <laughs> yes. know if that hit you. He's only half an hour away from me, but it's like completely different ecosystem sometimes. But if yep. I disappear, you'll know why. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, I had a, a, a one of those power flickers last night that, you know, made me had to reboot my whole computer and rebooted the router. So it's one of those like loss, uh, lo loss of power for a fraction of a second, uh, you know, inconvenient for several minutes. But anyway, um, yeah, so what, what we, we will hope for the best as far as our uh, our continued power here for this uh, for this discussion. So today, we you know, it's obviously in Other Minds and Hands, we talk about, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about adaptation. Um, today, we want to talk about one of the things I know, Maggie, which is really important to you, and that's fan engagement. We want to think about what adaptations do, what they have done, and what they, what they need to do in order to engage with people, because it's such a different thing. Um, engaging with fans, like all you know, movies hope to have fans, right? I mean, that's uh, that's sort of a general thing, but it's a different world when you're doing an adaptation. Yeah, and you know, Corey, I've been talking a lot about this as we're setting up Signum Studios and with Ben Davis as well. Just like, what does this mean if we're gonna, you know, help studios and help folks with mm -hmm. fan engagement? What does fan engagement actually mean? So it was, it's been really fun. We've had some really interesting conversations. So we just thought we'd bring some of that to you guys too um, and see if we can play around with some of the texts that we know and the adaptations that we're familiar with from talking about them here and, and just kind of expand that a bit. So like it started with our conversation of, well, what is fan engagement? What are the different definitions of it? And there's kind of two really clear ones. There's like one that I think is marketing speak for fan engagement. And that means clicks right that right. means immediate reactions right. that means we launched at midnight and we were trending on twitter and we shut down the site and the tickets sold out in 10 seconds and you know whatever right. else is event motivated and that's still really important you know i think that kind of engagement is a really good data marker it's a really interesting thing to look at it's a really interesting thing to discuss but that's so often not what we're talking about when we talk about fan engagement. So I'm yeah. aware of that fan engagement and it's necessary to like speak that lingo when working with an industry and things like that. But the fan engagement that I think is missed by people only knowing the data definition is mm -hmm. that deeper connection to a fandom. Yes. And when you're talking about adaptations and adaptations that have a strong fan base, and not just strong, but like long, you know, the Tolkien yes. fandom is broad um and that doesn't have to be like a long-standing fandom it can be something that's only been out for a few months and still has a vociferous like really passionate fan base but it's just recognizing what that fan base cares about what they mm -hmm. know what they have access to understanding what makes them tick and it's not going to be a clear simple answer um, but it's it's really getting down into the fandom and really connecting with what they care about. And that is the piece that I think is just still so foreign to most industry creators. And it's such a shame because it's such an it's not an easy thing to do. It does take time no. and it certainly takes an ability to kind of see through some of the noise. But 
you know, it, you got to do some research around it and things like that. But it's not impossible, and it doesn't take much to at least show that you're trying. And it only takes a second for a fandom to turn on you. So, you know, the example that I give a, a lot is um, the Darkest Rising sequence by Susan Cooper. And right. um, MTV, it was the production company behind it. They no longer have a studio making films, so they didn't do a very good job. Um, but they were producing um, The Seeker. It was a 2007 film based on The Darkest Rising, which is the second book in the series. And they hired, through a contest, they hired an on-set PA, a production assistant. So there was this contest, like, you could work on the set of The Dark is Rising. And they ended up getting um, this kid, and he was an intern on the set, and his job was to film small interview pieces that would go before and after commercial breaks of their shows. So it'd just be like a 30 to 40 second bit interviewing to kind of hype up the film and, and try to engage people. This was 2007, the very early days of the kind of engagement. Um, and the first interview they put out, they were interviewing the lead actor, his name I'm blanking on, he played Merriman. I can see him, Ian McShane. Um, <laughs> they were interviewing Ian McShane. Oh, our lights just flickered again. Yes, I didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, and they interviewed him and they were like, aren't you excited to, to play this uh, character for, you know, potentially five films? And he goes, there's five? We might have to do it again? Ugh. Like, one, he did it on camera. He did it to the MTV hired intern. Somebody approved it and decided to put it out. Like, there's so many levels of mistakes there. And then it ended up coming out that only the director and one producer had actually read the text. They churned it out so fast. Nobody had talked to Susan Cooper about it. And, you know, this kind of goes back to my whole, like, you don't have to engage the author to make a good film but you're really risky and you're really risking a lot of success and alienation of the fan base. If you don't incorporate them because Susan right. Cooper was like, not my thing. I'm not engaged. So nobody right. was, you know, nobody was supporting right. it. But yeah, it just kind of shows that level of engagement. If they had simply gone the route of some other things like JD and Patrick have always shown us with their, their commitment to the, the lore and knowledge of, right. of elements of rings of power from Cimmerillion, right. like it just doesn't take that much to show, you know, a bit and the more you can show, the more street cred you get. And like there was another one from my Twilight stuff where I was sitting in Video Village, which is like an offset little tent with video monitors. So you can watch what's being filmed, but not actually be in the room where it's filming because some of those rooms are really tiny. So I was sitting there just like staying out of the out of the way and stuff. And I was listening to these two producers talking to each other. And Robert Pattinson couldn't remember his line. He kept messing it up over and over and over again. And the two of them were whispering to each other and said, he has three PhDs. He should know this by now, right? That was a reference to a like unknown, unpublished thing that Stephanie Meyer put on her website about him going to medical school multiple times. So like they did their work and that right. wasn't in an interview. That was like a quiet, hushed between each other conversation, but the street cred they got for me, big deal. Right. So it's, those are just two little examples of like good behavior, bad behavior, right? But if you are able to show that to a fandom, they're not going to love you, but they might keep their torches unlit for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> they, they might mm -hmm. give you a chance to kind of uh, to see to see what you're going to do with it. So it's that level of engagement, that kind of idea of getting to know what people care about. And that's the stuff that I get super in interested in and very excited about. And 
yeah so that's the content side of it like what to do with it i think is the next thing so if you have that kind of support the fans know that you care you've shown that you're on their side you tend to get a little bit more creative freedom you know they right. you have their approval you've managed expectations it's in good hands all that kind of thing and then we get something like alfonso Cuaron with harry potter like he was allowed to take certain liberties Right. because everybody was already on board so you could mm -hmm. get a little bit more creative so if you kind of plan out some engagement like that yeah you'll get the clickbait you'll get the hits you'll get the marketing you know it's a different kind of vibe but this level of engagement you're going to satisfy those people that are super skeptical and don't right. want you to touch their piece i don't want you to mess with my beloved you know right right you're going to satisfy right. those skeptics but then you're also going to create something that your new fans are going to come to and be like, oh, they knew their stuff because they saw the movie. They loved it. They went and read the book, got so much more appreciation because you brought all that into right. the film process. Right. I could do on this for a while, so I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, one of the things that I think about um, in conjunction with that, I mean, it's it's really it's been part of the experience that we've had for the last year and a half doing this. Uh, doing this broadcast too, and it's the thing that has struck me most about, um, you know, being, I don't know, kind of on the, the 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 front lines of the fan engagement side in the Rings of Power last year. The thing that kept striking me as I was hearing from people, I was seeing people's reactions, I was talking to people who were in the middle of reacting to the show and things, is just that. It was less often was I saying like, oh, I don't think you're being, um, you know, fair to the choice that's being made. It's that people so many times it seemed like I mean, it's again, it's why I wanted to start this broadcast to think about to think through like, what does it mean to do an adaptation? What makes an adaptation good? Um, you know, how can we kind of where is there a place where we can talk about and really honestly learn about a lot of these things? And I've learned a very great deal over the course of the last year and a half in this. Um, that is like you just think of some of the basic things that we've talked about before about how so frequently when you get um, you know, a fan, a fan who is a fan of a set of books, say, and they're going to watch a film and they're not, they don't think about adaptation a lot. Like they don't, they, they, you know, these questions of like, they never made an adaptation, right? The, the, you know, the, those, those kinds of questions. It, it's almost like somebody reading a translation without ever having done a translation before, you know, without ever having done any translation work. Um, mm -hmm. Like you can't really appreciate like the kinds of choices that have to be made and the difficulty of some of those choices. Um, there were so many things that um, I heard people saying, for instance, about the Rings of Power, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, this is like this, this, this thing that they did shows a complete disregard for, or, or like this just proves they know nothing about Tolkien. And I was like, but no, that's actually a really simple adaptation. Like you have to make choices like that when you're doing a screen adaptation of any book. Like it's, that's not, that's not even a realistic expectation, you know, like, Anyway, so those those kinds of issues, like that whole kind of broad category of issues is one of the things that it seems to me is so important when trying to, like, there's always going to be a gap that needs to be bridged. As we've talked about before, anytime an adaptation is always going to project someone else's sort of vision, right? It's not like the thing that you will never find right you will never find an adaptation which is just like 
the version of the book that was in your head projected onto a screen. Right? There's even if always you make gonna, it. Even, even if you make it, that's not going to be it. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's true. Um, and so Actually, especially if you make it, because you probably have a vision, but you have to answer to studios and budgets <laughs> right. and, you know. <laughs> right. Or you'll be more painfully aware of the discrepancy, yeah. you know, if you're the one making it. Right. True. Um, but um, uh, anyway, I I, <clears throat> I think that um, uh, the that works. So, so I, I, I think about, like, what exactly can people do? Like, can, productions, like, can, can studios do? in order to bridge that gap. Cause there is, okay. there's always going to be that gap. There's always going to be resistance. I mean, I still know people, lots of people who won't watch the Peter Jackson, have never watched the Peter Jackson films, won't ever watch, don't want to talk about the Peter Jackson films. Um, which again, like as I've said many times, I think there are many things to criticize about them from a, you know, from a, from a, from a Tolkien perspective. They're very imperfect as far as an adaptation of Tolkien is concerned, but they're wonderful movies. And, you know, anyway, but like, so even with a really shining good example, um, like the Peter Jackson films, there's always going to be a gap that needs to be bridged yeah. between the fans of the original, you know, of the original product and the fans of the, you know, and, and, and the films. And you're never going to satisfy everyone. Like you no. have to give that up from the start. But if you are a creator, I just feel like there's a lot of different, there's, there's so many pressures on a creator anyway. Like you right. want to make the thing that you see in your mind and you're proud of. You want to make this thing that is successful and has good critical reviews. Right. You also want this thing that makes a lot of money and brings a lot of people to buy it or see it or share mm -hmm. it or talk about it because that's how you get to continue working in this field. So like, there's so many pressures that kind of fall within it. So when you're talking about satisfying a fan base, that's not always a top priority because right. they don't see down to that minute level. But it's the power of the fan base that is so underestimated. Like, if you muck it up with them, you have lost this incredible street team that would have been sharing all of that. And it's just right. a shame. And I was just thinking about the two comments here from Nameless Arcanum and Icon. You're both saying, you know, about momentum of marketing and and how that can really raise the hype of something, but then it falls flat due to not a great story. That's such a good example of like the marketing engagement working but the story engagement not. So mm -hmm. even if they tried to do fan engagement in the story development, they missed the mark, you know? Like maybe they were just trying to make it too broad, so therefore it didn't appeal to anyone. If you did it just for the fans, it's too niche, people aren't gonna understand it. Although we've talked about that with Rings of Power because we yeah. did and everybody understood. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they're still getting stuff from it. But it's, it's doing that work in the story development when you're doing the adaptation what do people care about? What do you need to keep? What can change? What can you do to all that story stuff without confusing a new viewer, but still right. satisfy those people that know every stinking detail and are going to be picking it apart with a fine tooth comb? So the two don't always talk to each other either, mm -hmm. which is quite problematic. You need marketing and production to kind of work hand in hand because they're both talking about engagement. They're just really different kinds of engagement. Right. Right. Yeah. I, to, um, uh, Spielkalb was just saying maybe the best way to go is not even try to close the gap, but push forward your own vision like Moffat did with Sherlock. Um, what I mean by closing the gap is not, as you said, Maggie, you're not going to please everybody. Like, that's 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 not the point. Um, 
but I would point to, well, I'd put to myself as an example, right? The way that I'm engaging with the Jackson film is like good engage. That's what they would want. Like as a fan, I mean, right? I mean, I like if people dis both dislike and distrust the entire project so much that they won't even engage with it and they like refuse to talk about it and you know like that that's that's not a great situation right and again there's always going to be some holdouts that will still remain in that camp again it's not about uh you know uniform popularity or or or, or you know a 100 success but um but the more fans you can get out of that camp who are just like this is dead to me i'm going to proceed as if it doesn't exist that seems to me like in for that for for every fan who says that you have failed with that fan right and some of them again will be that way no matter what but um but you do need you can talk about pushing your own vision but it's not relevant if you know they refuse to even watch it or engage with it right um and that's what i'm talking about when i talk about bridging the gap that's what i mean like are you will are are you willing to take the step are you willing to come along with are you willing to give the benefit of the doubt are you willing to yeah. you know to 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 take that initial step and with so many fans if they're not willing to engage there's not much you can do so you know some fans are just never going to because they want to maintain the purity of the original text but okay good luck right. with that but you know like we've said a million times you can watch something and still maintain the purity of the original text like it's not mm-hmm. going to change the book that you love you can say not for me i'm going back to the book that's fine um and then there's also fans that i think are quite threatened by an adaptation because all of a sudden it's like the public is looking in on their super secret love and right. it's mine you can't have it now they have to share it with the world but doesn't understand it the way they do and you know and yeah. this is where all that language of betrayal and and whatnot comes into play you know you feel threatened by somebody else liking the thing you like so you double down on a no i'm not engaged with that film they can't they couldn't have done it right you know i know how it's done right and you get very defensive about it that's a tough one so i have to say as like a creator like consulting on that you wouldn't aim for those people (laughs) you you would aim for the people that are going to come see it because they're curious but they might be a little worried but they visit the websites, they talk on the chat, the chat rooms, like all that kind of stuff of just engaging with the people that are already engaging with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and already yeah. are a part of a community that helps if they're willing to jump on Reddit and have a discord and you know, everything else, then those are the ones you want to start that conversation with, see what they care about, see what they're worried about. Right. Right. Yeah. So w- w- one thing that I'm noticing um, and I, I, I'd love to hear you talk about this a little, this distinction a little bit more. Is that it sounds to me like there's kind of two different phases of fan engagement that you're pointing to, um, and they seem to me different kind of projects. Um, there's the engagement with fans in advance, so like bef- there's basically before and after the thing comes out, right? There's the kind of engagement which is establishing a relationship with the fans so that they're willing to come. Right. So that they so that they 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 are like putting the fans in the frame of mind where they are going to take the thing seriously, building street cred, as you said. And that's, you know, it's good to do that in advance Mm -hmm. so that people are um, are ready to to be in the right frame of mind. They're not going to like love it before they've seen it. Right. But to 
put them in a frame of mind where they're willing to I give you the benefit of the doubt to believe right. that you know this 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 is uh, this is likely to be a good thing. And then there's the engagement after the fact that is more about understanding. You know, again, you might not agree with every choice that was made, but understanding what's going on and how this is, you know, because there will always be questions. People, you know, when when people are struck by, as will happen 100% of the time, the differences between not only, as we've talked about, not only between the film and the book, but more importantly, and a distinction so rarely made by people who are talking about this on the Internet, the difference between the film and the version of the book that's in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Um which may not even be something that's based explicitly uh, on the page. But in any case, um, when, when a viewer is struck by those differences, right, now there's, some, like, there's always stuff people have to work through. Like, therapy is required for <laughs> all adaptations, yeah. I think, yeah. you know? Like, uh, and, and so that phase, like the, the yeah. sort of the, the working through, the, the analysis phase, like let's look at what's there, think it through, work it through. And that seems to me a different a different sort of subspecies of fan engagement than the yeah. preliminary fan engagement. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's like the development engagement. And again, there's two definitions for engagement. We've decided this, right? So we've got marketing engagement and we've got story engagement. So we're in story engagement right now. So we've right. got like development engagement that is pretty much what Amazon did with us, right? So they had this core community. They built this really beautiful two-day event where we got to see Tolkien's life and go to Oxford and, you know, do all the, you know, listen to a really wonderful academic uh, talk by John Garth and just engage on that level. And it wasn't over, what's the word I want, um, overscheduled or overmanaged. It was, mm-hmm. it was, guys, go enjoy. Right. Just, yes, there's a schedule and it is tight, but go enjoy. And then the second day uh, was when we got to see 20 minutes of the, the forthcoming season and had an hour and a half with J.D. and Patrick. And that hour and a half was what we've been saying for the whole time was what was most useful and most necessary for that room full of people because mm-hmm. they showed us their engagement with the development side of things. And mm-hmm. they assured us that that was good. I mean, people were really giving them kind of baiting, I'm going to get you questions. And they right. rose to every single one of them why they didn't put that out why they didn't show the broader fandom a snippet of their knowledge ahead of time on a brief youtube clip that would have made the rounds is the thing that still baffles me the most about the the development engagement element because that would have assured so many people these guys know their stuff let's go in with an open mind but if they'd done that and then didn't have an analysis engagement after it would have been for naught but they didn't do that either. So right. that was also really tough because we didn't have the ability to then dig into what was there and talk about what we knew about their knowledge ahead of time and how yes. that was shown in the analysis afterwards. So there's just this gap. And again, you need to bridge that. The show was trying to bridge those two things, but they didn't give us an anchor on either side of the river. So it was just <laughs> tough to make yeah. all that happen. Whereas Jackson, if we take that into Peter Jackson, we didn't have a ton of development engagement coming out. Also, this was filmed 97 to 99 and released 2001 to 2003. So we didn't have the internet like we do now. Right. But we still had engagement. Like they were still sharing things. Like I remember one of the first photos that came out to publicize the film was Peter Jackson lying in a tree, smoking a pipe, looking like a hobbit. You know, he was trying to connect with the fans. And I understand visually it was after 
with the extended edition appendices that we got to see all the <clears throat> development yes. before, right? Yes. That's where we got to see that they hired the concept artists that worked with Tolkien. We saw John Howe doing the, the, the concept art. Anything, like you were saying, like whatever was in our brain was never going to be exactly on screen, but oh, did they do their best to make sure they honored what was in our brain. You know, so they were drawing in this kind of stuff and they were talking about their knowledge and love of the text and showing us the detail about what went into set design and, you know, each each realm having their own kind of color scheme and history to their chain mail and that mm -hmm. level of depth <clears throat> yes. and those hours and hours and hours of analysis and behind the scenes content that built this fandom that yes. that built the stuff that we continue talking about and that was 20 years ago <laughs> yes oh yes <but> cool <laughs> yeah no i agree i mean i do think the um all of the special features on you know in the appendices as they're called and by the way even that like even like the fact that those are known as the appendices of the lord of the rings dvds right yeah establishes this like connection where is, mm -hmm. is like an expression of that of that connection with the books in this way like obviously mm -hmm. the appendices of the dvds have no real parallel to the appendices of the books no. um and yet again it's it's the the fact that they're kind of um in a sense uh you know even just the fact that they're talked about the same way i think is um um is really is really interesting, but no, I, I think that that was a remarkable element of the okay. success. I mean, it's something that I would definitely, I, I, I genuinely believe that the Lord of the Rings films would not have been the kind of generational cultural sensation that they were without the appendices, without all that extra material that they included that kept people engaging and engaging on newer and deeper levels all the time with that material. I mean, the movies were popular, like the movies were popular, but there have been lots of popular movies. There are lots of movies that have a really, really good, uh, you know, box office. Intakes and, right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, three years later, you're like, oh, yeah, remember that movie? Yeah, kind of. Right. Why weren't mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings films like that? Like, why did the Lord of the Rings films have the enduring impact that they did? Um, and that is because uh, the appendices, I think, is in very in, 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 in a in significant large part and the, the not just to the lore and the story either but to the entire community they built of appreciators it yes. it wasn't just tolkien fans you know it's definitely what got me into film the the curtain was lifted we got to right. see how the sausage was made and it was amazing it wasn't gross like sausage at all it was lovely <laughs> uh, i hate that analogy but it does work right <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and like the number of people I've talked to that are like costume designers now, and they're like, well, yeah, you know, watching how they wove the cloaks together for the hobbits of that elven cloth. I'm like, oh my God, you were there too? And they're like, yeah, and then I went to the museum exhibit. I'm like, I know, the museum exhibit, right? <laughs> it just kept going. They gave us so many opportunities to see the depth of their engagement. So mm -hmm. therefore, my engagement was so much bigger, and then my community expanded amongst that. So that's the one thing I don't think they did. They didn't create the community platforms, but that I think was a good thing. Like for that to be organic and off corporate platforms, shiny, you know, it, yeah. if if Amazon started their own chat right now, I'd, I'd be like, oh guys, don't do that. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't want Big Brother watching. Like can you guys can tune into Reddit and Discord if you want, but right. yeah. 
the communities that built up organically from that kind of engagement it continues having us talk 20 years later and like well, don marshall's still trying to get his, his re-release out of <laughs> yes. the like, extended extended editions and right yeah right exactly no i mean and but that's doing you know whether it's um i mean the one thing that i would say honestly um i do i actually have a complaint about the appendices is that i think they talked about the books too little i mean you know that's fair i was it was fascinating like i love the behind the scenes stuff but I mean, I didn't have the reaction to it like that you did, for instance, where, you know, for you, it's kind of what what like brought you into the film industry. Um, I, it did have an impact on me, even though like I'm not, you know, especially interest in the back end of filmmaking in that same way. It did build, even though I like when I look back on it, I didn't even sort of realize at the time the extent to which they were building credibility with me as I was watching mm. through that, right? Th there were still there were still things I was grumpy about, right? There were still things that I didn't like. There were things in the appendices that bothered me. I mean, like, I can still point to... I can still think off the top of my head of, like, several things that somebody says in a commentary track or somebody says in one of the videos that, like, riled me at the time. And I'm like, what? How could you say that? You know, um... Uh, but that's um, great though because you had a reaction. You were yes, I, I did. You the I was, opportunity. Yeah. It would. Yeah. And, and so again, it's 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 not that I was like watching them and I was like, oh, I now I love these movies completely and everything about them, right? But yet, it was clear like they couldn't. You couldn't just dismiss them. Yeah. You know, like as a Tolkien fan, um, if you just said, you know, there was no way that I could maintain. Um, you know, a sort of a purist, a, a totally purist attitude, right? Where I'm just like, oh, you know, um, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, right, right. you know, they, like, they're just butchering Tolkien and, and, and they don't know what they're talking about and I'm writing them off. Like, it was very hard to write them off. Um, you know, I could still disagree with them, right? And, and, and I do still, to this day, disagree with them about many things. But, um, but I don't... Um, but I couldn't write them off, right? I had to respect them. As I said, what I would love, there were some, there was some good stuff. There, you know, there was some good, you know, Tolkien, some good Tolkien discussion. What there wasn't enough of for me enough. is what we do here, right? Yeah. Like let's let's take the book and let's take the films and let's discuss point by point. The, the the recent series that we were just doing on the Peter Jackson adaptation and talking through all these different stuff. That I would have loved to see more discussion of. Like, let's talk and about the, elves. What are the what's what the film right. doing with elves? You know, all these things. Whatever. And that was super top level, you know. So like, yeah. Imagine if we had planned ahead, made an outline, you know, anything like that, and had right. the creators alongside us having yes. those levels of conversation about development engagement for themselves in relation to development engagement from their fandom through to the analysis afterwards. Let us show you what we did here. And having us ask the questions while they talk about it, like that's the depth we're after, folks. Like that would be so much fun. Yes, yeah, it yeah. really, it, it really, really would. Now, you know, Icon, you say an interesting thing there. Uh, most movies now are more interested in their opening weekend than their longevity. I think that that might be true, but I have to say, I find it very odd, because in some ways, if you look at the current situation, that is, look at the modern streaming economy versus the, you know, like 90s and 2000s DVD economy, right? Um, you would think 
that longevity would be more greatly incentivized now than it was then. Because then, I mean, in 2004, 2000, you know, like the time when the extended editions were coming out and the boxed sets and everything like that. I mean, okay, by putting all that work into the appendices, you could induce people to buy the DVD set again. Right. They may, they might have bought a DVD as soon as it was released, you know, the theatrical release. Yeah. And then bought the box set when it came out, which we did. Right. So, yes, you're inducing two purchases instead of one out of people. And that's a thing gained. You know, if you're selling millions of copies, that's fine. But once you've sold them one copy of your extended edition DVDs, which they're watching and rewatching for years afterwards, right? And forming their lives as we've, as we've seen, um, financially, they didn't benefit from that anymore other than possibly like merch sales and stuff like that. Right. Um, but in the streaming economy, you would benefit, Yeah, you, you know, if you're driving people, viewers back to, and they're rewatching and rewatching, if you put all that, if, if all that stuff lived, like imagine like just like people watching, imagine the number of times you've watched the Peter Jackson films and the, and the appendices over the course of your life. Right. And imagine what a streaming platform how much a streaming platform would love those numbers, right? Yeah. Would love to have yeah. people coming back to their, being driven back to their platform to watch stuff again and again. So again, like that kind of longevity, um, I mean, it seems to me uh, the depth of foolishness. I'm not contesting, Icon, that you're right. I think it's very likely true that they care more about opening weekend than longevity. Um, but that strikes me as deeply foolish, deeply foolish. And it's also like, it's definitely what the papers care about the most, right? Like that's always the headline. What box office numbers for that weekend? Like that's all we're hearing about Barbie and Oppenheimer is is their box office intake at the weekend, and studios love that because that gets into the papers. That means that they get twenty one weeks in cinema instead of four right. weeks in cinema. So like, sure, they're absolutely going after that immediate box office win. But yeah. if you don't have longevity, exactly like you said, they're not going to buy the DVD anymore. They're not going to care when it's on a streaming device. They're not going to notice that it's on their plane. Like yeah. all these things that became these big moments, not necessarily right. a thing. I don't know enough about the strikes now to kind of go into detail. So I'm, I'm learning a little bit more about that. But all of this is just kind of crystallizing the current issues there are with that, too, because... 100% we're going to watch them a thousand times over on streaming services, but none of that's getting kicked back to the people that helped make them. Maybe one or two people, right? It's most studio. And the the streaming numbers, like learning a bit more about what is marked as good and successful for them in that. Like somebody told me Netflix, it's a 50% 50% engagement. So if if 50% of the viewers finish the series, then it gets a second season. So if you only have 10 people watching the series, but five of them finished, you'll get a second season. And that's why I'm like, that can't be right. That, that seems like right. weird math. <laughs> and then we've heard about percentage finishing with uh, Rings of Power. Like, you know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, obviously, they're, they're collecting all that data, but we don't right. know where the levels are for like what can, constitutes a success because it's not the headline in the newspaper. So for our purposes, box office is still like the biggest way that you can show success. Great. Money's handy to like have that data point. <laughs> yes. But longevity, you know, and building that community, that continued success, that continued engagement, 
that's why we're still buying editions of Lord of the Rings. That's why we're still attending conferences. That's why we're watching Rings of Power because right. this thing engaged us so thoroughly. Right. We will then extend out to another adaptation of another thing based off this content that we love. Right. So if you're right. the one that screws it up, you're, you know, I've been burned by the Hobbit. I'm never <laughs> going to watch Lord of the Rings again. Right. That's, that's a tough one to bear. So. Right. Yeah. And of course, I'm not suggesting that the two things are alternative. That is like the opening box office and the and the longevity. Um, nor am I saying like if you have to choose one, you should choose longevity over box office. I'm just no. saying you can have both. You can have both. There's no reason you can't have both. I mean, in fact, the bigger your opening box office is, the better, the easier it will be to build longevity. Um, and that I don't even think that that is... I don't even think that that's hard to do. Like, it's not like it's an expensive yeah. proposition to do to build longevity. That's the thing that's a real kicker. Like, yes, I feel like if we could just pull these creators to the side for a minute and a half and be like, can you get these three bullet points? Cool. You'll that, that gets you 5% more. If, if you right. could do these three bullet points with these seven sub bullet points, you know, right. that'll give you 10, 15% more. Like, it's not easy like anyone could do it, but it doesn't take a ton of work to get some of this done. No, it doesn't and, take a ton of work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and of course, this is the stuff that this is the stuff that we love. I mean, this is the, and it's, it's especially hard for me, right, to understand why people don't do this because this is what I do, right? Like the, the <laughs> of course discussing right. and analyzing <laughs> things, like, come on, man. Well, it's, not, it's not just about being right and wrong. It's about, like, finding it easy, hard, or desirable to do. It's like, so the hard thing for me is like, why would people not want to discuss it afterwards? Like, obviously that's where the fun is. Like, what, what, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I it, it's, it's, um, I think that it would, but it, in particular, of course, it seems especially obviously desirable and even influencing your, uh, you know, your initial, reaction not just box office we're not just talking about you know movies in release we're talking about you know streaming tv and stuff like that as well um but doing stuff when you have a long-running uh a long-running show or you know a, a, a you know some kind of serial property right um uh even something like uh the war of the rohirrim right there's going to be that's not necessarily going to be serial in the sense of like there's going to be more Rohirrim films after, but there's going to be other like things of that kind, presumably, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was it was like when that when that like quasi news story broke a while back, which like a whole bunch of people outside the Tolkien world seemed to view as like huge breaking news that like, you know, they said there were going to be more films based on oh, Tolkien yeah. released soon. And I'm like, and we're like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course there will be. Like we, uh, we all, we all knew. I kept waiting for there to be actual news. Like, wait. So are we? Does this mean we're gonna? There's gonna be actual news about what it is, and you know what what the plans are, and the things that. No, and there was nothing. It was just like we have the vague intention to produce films, and I'm like, golly, I guessed that all on my own. You know, when you, you spent paid for hundreds the rights, of millions of dollars for them? the rights, exactly. Right. Shocking. Shocking. But anyway. Um, so even in that sense, right, even if even if what, you know, the films that like Warner Brothers is doing with the Embracer group or whatever, you know, if, if those things turn out to be 
totally unrelated films. Like there's still like you still want to build momentum there, right? And obviously yeah. with things like the Ring of Power, you want to build momentum, you know, in between season and and not let people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's anyway. So again, that kind of longevity is to me a much more present reality, like a much more important market factor in the streaming economy than it ever was before, right? Because again, yeah. even it's it's still there, even for people like you don't even have to, like you, th you think about the way that the marketing challenge, right, in the old days was to, like, first you've got to get them to come to the film, right? And then you want them to love the film enough that they buy the DVD when it comes out. Right. Or see um, the movie 17 more times. In or, the right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. See the movie, then right. see it 17 more times, then buy the DVD. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so those are like, you know, uh, purchase choices, right? Individual purchase choices that the, the person has to make. Um, if you're talking about a, a Netflix show or a Prime Video show or something or something like you don't you're not even talking about those kinds of purchase choices right they've they've already made the purchase choice to subscribe right and yeah. i know there's like now there's the dynamics of like do they maintain their subscription or whatever i'm not saying that's not itself an important purchase choice but it's not a purchase choice that rests on that production alone right. in the same way right i mean if you to say like hey you already have netflix turn it on and watch this show is a completely different kind of sales proposition than right, go out go and out buy and the DVD. With this specific yeah. Thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it can, yeah. and it can be the kind of thing that makes you purchase a subscription from the start. You know, the, sure. the number of my friends that bought Disney plus when Hamilton was on there, right. uh, huge, you know, absolutely. Right. right. But they also did the 14 day trial and then bail. So how do you get <laughs> right. them? Yeah. How do you get them to stay? And it's not the same I keep using the word engagement, but that's what it is. It's not the same engagement that you have from fandoms because there aren't these targeted event moments, which is why marketing works so hard for those targeting event moments. Yes. But all of it's going to fall flat if there isn't that development in the first part that we can engage with and care about story. Yeah. You can do all the marketing in the world that you want, but if we don't care about what you're saying and showing us, then I'm not going to watch season two. <laughs> yeah. And so the, it gets harder to green light those things. I think that's the real trick, though, when you see these streaming services buying these multi-book properties right because it's a real risk like we have huge expectations for however many series of the witcher wheel of time you know all of these mm -hmm. things that have lots of books to them and i want to see all of them if you're going to do it commit to all of them and tell me the whole story otherwise i'm getting one eighth of the story and it's not going to be good no matter what you do because it's right. just one eighth of the story but if you're going to cancel it after one season, that's not really responsible either. So that's what I do like that model with Rings of Power, that they have told us they will have five seasons. Of course, they can change their mind. Something terrible could still happen. I don't <laughs> right. know. Right. But they made that commitment the same way New Line Cinema made the commitment to Peter Jackson to shoot all three at the same time. Yeah. Like, you're going to have the whole story. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll watch the whole thing and we'll see right. what happens. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I just, so, I mean, this is, I know this is the kind of thing that, this is the kind of thing that we're kind of excited about and thinking about, you know, of how to, because this is the kind of thing that we do, right? Um, you know, this is when, you know, Maggie and I have been talking about Signum. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Signum University has a studio, right? Maggie's the director of our studios. Um, and one of the things that 
we want to do. Like one of the reasons we did this um, is uh, we think there's a we think there's a gap here. We think that there's this is this this whole category of stuff is a thing that the industry does not do well. Um, I honestly don't think they know how to do it that way. I don't think it's in their department structure, so therefore it doesn't yeah. happen. You know, like, and this is exactly what we're talking about. There's two different modes of this development engagement and marketing engagement. Those are two different departments and studios. Yeah. They don't always talk to each other. So it's it's a tough thing to get right full stop, but it's also tough because it spans the whole story and it's not easy to assign to one specific department. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's it's also and but but I would say like interpreting that departmental structure, right? Departmental structures exist as a reflection of what the institution believes is an important priority, Required. right? Mm -hmm. Like they have a marketing department because they know that marketing is important, right? They have a yeah. production department because that's what they do, right? But they don't they don't they don't, the reason that this doesn't fit into any of their departments, the reason that none of their departments specialize in doing this kind of thing is that it's a kind of thing they haven't been doing. They haven't been trying to the, do. And it's the kind of thing that really has to sit alongside showrunners. Like, I think the, the people that consult on this kind of thing are not showrunners because right. they're not worried about schedules and budgets and things like that, but they have to be involved in all the things showrunners are involved in. So you're there from the beginning in the development, you're there through the aftermarketing and doing all the pitching and everything else and prepping for season two when season one hasn't even been released yet. And that's the level that they should be included, you know, because then mm -hmm. they are having their finger in every pie and do understand all the moving pieces and can add in tidbits here or there where it makes sense and help mold and, you know, form these stories and make sure like, you know, one of the things I keep referencing with Twilight is that Edward went and sat on Bella's bed. No, Edward went, Bella went in and sat on Edward's bed was in the mm -hmm. original script. And somebody was like, no, he's a vampire. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't have a bed. He has a black leather right. sofa. It right. doesn't matter, you know, but it's these tiny little details that if a fan saw him, saw her sit on a bed, they'd be like, nope, you got it wrong. Out. Like, right. you don't have to lose fandoms over tiny details. Let us, you know, shape that kind of thing. Anyways, that's like script development, story engagement, consulting type stuff. But there's also this analysis side that we're just missing. Like, when they started yeah. getting rid of the DVD special features, a part of me died. Like, I <laughs> love special features for the gag reel alone, if nothing else. Right. But I love right. special features. And it's just so hard to find that content now. You can occasionally find one to three minute videos on YouTube that they've released to help promote something. And it'll be like one minute of the costumes or whatever. No, I want like 20 to 30 minutes of yeah. behind the scenes, deeper content about that because I'm genuinely interested. And now I'm going to engage further and more and find people to talk about it with and maybe make my own costume and go to Comic-Con and you know, right, right. that's how you get legs. You continue to have those people show their engagement on all these platforms and raise profile for years. Yes. Yeah. Also, Again, I saw earlier somebody asked if we went to Comic Con. We didn't make it this year. No, not this year. Yeah. We'll wait till we have a year. thing to do. So not yeah. this year. Yeah. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say. Um, uh, oh yeah, and I was gonna say we were talking about engaging for years. And again, like it's still on the streaming platform that you're still subscribed to. You can still watch it again and again. It's it's even easier, you know, to watch. And again, they get they're getting. They're getting fed. They're getting numbers, right? They're mm -hmm. getting the kind of views that they want to get uh, from that. Um, whereas, again, you know, New Line Cinema, 
has no idea how many times you watched the DVDs that you bought. Right. <laughs> they just, they don't know, right? Um, whereas, you know, Netflix yeah. will know how many times you've rewatched Stranger Things. Like, that's, right. that's you know, that's the way it will work. Um, uh, but... Um, and they'll know, and they'll know with some of these streamers, like, how how which scenes were the most impactful like what scenes did people go back to and watch over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again you know like yeah. what are the scenes that people are really latching onto who are the characters that people are really latching onto and it's that kind of intel that can then feed into further deeper fan engagement oh you loved that scene with adar where we did the dutch angle let's talk about that you know and give us some depth about that and you know we were talking about that as an idea with amazon like they have this x-ray thing, which I didn't even know about until Corey told me. So like marketing <laughs> didn't know that existed. That there was this option right. for more content. So work on that. But yeah, like you would have that option when you're watching something or in a little extras bar beneath it on the streaming platform. Want to know more about the Adar scene? Like it just give us that because <laughs> right. we, we want it. We love that bit. Yeah, it, it is the frustrating thing that the streaming platforms actually have better and more dynamic ways to get people the this kind of extra content, this kind of engaging content, um, mm -hmm. than the old, you know, DVD extras were kind of clunky. Like, it, it was, I mean, I, I just, it's fine. Like, but um, it's nothing, there was no way to actually integrate the two in any way, right? Um, uh, anyway. The, and there was and yeah. there was no expectation with DVDs. So Nameless Arcadian was just saying, you know, if they died because of streaming or if it wasn't brought over to streaming because of lack of demand. Like, I don't know why they died, but it wasn't something that was expected with a DVD. You didn't you didn't buy a DVD knowing there was going to be 17 different options. Like sometimes on the back, it would give you a little menu of like bonus features include, you know, but that's that's about it. That could be one minute. That could be one hour of a documentary. You didn't know until you bought it. Excuse me. And like like Corey said we didn't have the numbers for DVDs so they weren't able to tell how people engaged with those special features so it was probably something that was never heavily required or seen as important with production but it's the part that so many of us are missing now when we want that deeper side so if there is a streaming service that has the opportunity for that you would think they would make a few and stick it up there and see what the engagement was like and then be like, oh, okay, that was pretty good and did cost us a lot and now people are talking. Let's do a few more of those and just see. Because you and could track that. didn't cost you us a see. lot. That's the yeah. really impossible thing for me to understand. Like, this yeah. would not be hard. This would not be, you know. Um, anyway, so this is one of the reasons why we're like, all right, fine. Let's do Try it ourselves. see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it ourselves. <laughs> um, the kind of... Um, you know the the um you know it's almost like there's you know the sort of reputed conversation between uh lewis and tolkien where they're like not seeing mm -hmm. the kind of books that they wanted to read and figured they would have to write them themselves right um mm -hmm. to some extent it's it's almost like that right the kind of analysis that we want to see on especially in adaptations especially on these kind of you know fandom production you know productions mm -hmm. with fandoms um there is so much really interesting analysis to be done. There's so much, there's so many fascinating discussions to be had. Um, it would be really, really beneficial for these productions, for you know, for the, for these studios yeah. to be producing their own stuff and 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 stirring up these kinds of discussions and this kind of appreciation. Um, but they're not doing it. 
Joe? I, Icon <laughs> pointed out, Disney Plus does a pretty good job of this. You are absolutely right. Disney Plus is pretty darn good at their Star Wars documentary. So they have right. like 10, 10 episodes per season of whatever thing you're watching. They probably have like one for one. So, you know, mm-hmm. here's our documentary. Episode one of the documentary is about episode one of that series. And they sit down for like an hour and they talk to the, the costume designers, the musicians, like everybody. And I think those are probably as successful as the series. And I just, I was just talking to my mom about this because, again, toddler. She was like, have you watched Frozen 2? I was like, no, I, I mean, I have watched it now, but I, it's because I watched the documentary on the making of Frozen 2 that I watched Frozen 2. <laughs> so, like, there is this, this group of, like, I'll access it by the creation if you let me. Um, and that's kind of a higher-end production. So, like, they did spend money on that. They did see the value in that. They did invest on creating the behind-the-scenes content and filming while on set and getting that that backstage coverage and then being in a beautiful studio and sitting down with 10 people and having those conversations. That part's not expensive. It's time. Those people are probably expensive and heavily booked, but it doesn't actually take that much. Like the content is there, sit them down, produce it well with high quality, everything tick done. And we want that stuff. And yeah, Disney documentaries are great. I wish they had loads of them for all of the things but even the ones on like the parks and stuff maybe you want to go visit the parks again that's what the deeper engagement does like give me that content i'll go back and rewatch it again and again and again though i would add although they're doing behind the scenes stuff they're still not doing analysis, analysis. like i would want right. to do like that's right. still they're doing happening. creation yeah they're doing yeah. creation they're not doing discussion which i get and and the thing is like i'm not trying to blame the production studio, it's what they do. They're a production studio, right? So oh, yeah. when they do do features like that, they focus on what they do. Like, they're like, hey, like we did all this work making the production. Let's show you the work that we did, which is great. Again, and I love that. And I'm not saying that's not cool, but <laughs> there's more to be. Let's do analysis. Let's talk about it. Let's um, uh, let's you know encourage this this kind of the, the kind of deeper engagement that has people. You know, yes. for uh, you know, forming up fan groups and 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 doing conventions, uh, you know, to to like discuss it further, you know, uh, ten years down the road, like that's that's the kind of thing. I mean, again, that's that that's where my own heart is. Again, that's why even even in the Peter like even the Peter Jackson appendices, I find dis- disappointing in this respect. They did yeah. some, they did more than I think. I've watched some of the uh, Star Wars stuff um the 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 disney plus stuff but i didn't watch all that much of it because i was like there's i was hoping for analysis and i wasn't getting analysis right yeah 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 and i mean and that's that's all about gateway too isn't it so like you know we talked i feel like we talked about that i don't know a year or so ago we talk about different ways to appeal to your fans so if you've got video gamers if you've got book fans if you've got you know whatever it is different ways to kind of bring them into the center okay great you've got the behind the scenes making of stuff here's how we made it that's brilliant we love that that's really cool but what about these guys that care about analysis what about these guys that care about music tapping into those different elements is is a real strength and if you're missing one why you don't need to miss it it's easy go get it you know yeah yeah and again to like thinking back in terms of the like fan management like you know the management of fans and the management man you know how do you how do you both set up positive reactions and how do you 
um, you know, help to um, nurture that nurture yeah nurture is a really good word to nurture a you know a positive ongoing relationship especially because you're going to have a whole bunch you know you're going to have some people who will be haters and you can't worry about them you have some people who are going to embrace it right away and that's awesome but you're going to have a whole bunch of people who are like slow to warm up right they're there still to be one right and i i really think there are a lot of people in that middle camp who could be, who will be brought around by discussion, by analysis, by let's yeah. look carefully at what's going on here. Let's, um, let's really think about the kinds of adaptation choices that they've been making, the way in which they're engaging with the text, just because they've changed a thing doesn't mean they're ignoring the text or not engaging with the text. Let's, let's kind of think and talk this through a little bit more. I mean, again, this is what I do. Um, uh, but I think that it's, it seems to me pretty clear that there are a lot of people who really, um, who, who, who enjoy that and who benefit from that. And it, it just seems to me unquestionable that a production as a whole would really benefit from having more of that there. And I get the fact that that's not their thing, right? That's okay. It's our and, thing. And it's, and it's, <laughs> not, and it's not their it. thing because they're actively denying it. It's not no. their thing because it's not on their to-do list. It's not on their to-do yeah. list. And it's not yeah. what they... Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's not... It's sort of... It's it's it's, it's, it's sort of not their world um, yeah. in that way. And that's, and that's fine. And like you were saying with management, it's such a lovely, easy way to be proactive about fan management because two things here. Like, one is the conversation you were having with me the other day about some of our circle and some of the very informed Tolkien folks that were saying, oh, I don't like that in this adaptation because X, Y, Z, I'll never, you know, and you're like, right. actually Tolkien said, da, 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 da. so there's right. this like level of nuance in unpublished elements and in all the other, you know, works yes. that we have from Tolkien that people have probably read, but might not be as familiar with as they are with the trilogy. But being sure. able to reference that and being able to discuss that and say, actually, the showrunners knew that and they showed this bit. That's yes. so powerful that you're kind of like covering your bases with analysis to say, oh, no, that could work. And here's why. Let me tell you. And it's really cool. But then proactive in a second way, because you're going to be creating this new audience by having an adaptation. Whether you like it or not, millions of people are going to watch this thing. They might hate it. They might love it. But millions of people are going to watch this thing. So have something at the ready for them to engage with that shows your depth because yes. they're either going to hate it and then be calmed down by the analysis right. or they're going to love it and be so enthusiastic by the deeper analysis that they're going to continue yeah. engaging. So just like having that as kind of a safety net uh, is, is something I always search, search for when I'm a new fan of something and I'm so sad when it's not there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. I, I think that there's the, this is, and you know, in some ways, you know, this is one of the, um, it really speaks to thinking about like, you know, what is their thing and what is not their thing and, and, and you know, what's our thing, right? It's, it's one of the things that I, um, it wasn't the genesis of the Signum Studios idea, but I remember kind of sitting and talking about Signum Studios with a couple of people several months after we had had the idea. And I was realizing, like, okay, so there's a concept of an academic book press, but they're like the idea of an academic film studio. It's not. It's not a it thing. Exist. I, and when you say a film department, exist. they either teach film or they're the AV department. Or they're the <laughs> AV department. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but the idea of like, no, there, there needs to. Uh, 
exactly the void that we're showing, right? Again, the, the, mm -hmm. the point is not to say, you know, shame and shame on the people, on the movie studios for not producing this. Like when Disney Plus is doing the behind the scenes stuff, they're talking about what they know, right? They're doing, they're doing what they do. Um, this whole like, let's work through and do some really thoughtful analysis and think through, um, you know, what's going on in the show and what kinds of adaptation choices are being made. That's not, that's not what they do, right? Right. That's what we do, right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's what it, you know, so the, the, yeah. the, like, this kind of academic engage, engagement, you know, this sort of, and I, and I think there is such a huge benefit to be gained from having these discussions, um, even discussions led by people like us who are outside in a sense, right? Um, you don't just want to hear, because um, I think it's an important part of bridging, building that bridge between studios and productions and fans, as we were talking about. Yeah, you want to hear, like the showrunner saying, this is what was in my mind. That's cool, that's really great, that's really, great. That's really important. But I think to some extent, it's even better to have, you know, a third party coming in and saying, well, let us look at what they did in this production yeah. and let us look at the book and let us, uh, you know, as fellow fans sit down and think this through and actually look at look at how this works. Um, but and the um, value yeah. of that, that, you know, like there's nothing we can do. You're like, you're always going to be called a shell, Corey, just accept that. But, you know, <laughs> the fact that you are able to do analysis, we're not talking about right and wrong and selling the thing and you should go see this thing because we love it. And they paid us to say that. Like, it's not it's it's just analysis. Like we're yeah, we're, we're just, just showing just showing some stuff. Um, I also realize this kind of sounds like we're being quite self-serving. Like we're the ones that can do it. It's like, no, we've, we feel like we've just kind of recognized there's this whole thing that doesn't exist that we know people want. Right. And yeah, we can do it. Loads of other people can do it too. It's, it's just this area, this field, this subject, this facility, you know, like all these things combined is like, Oh, we can do this. Let's do it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? It's 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 a thing that should happen, and I think we can do it. Um, but no, that's ex that's exactly you know when I think about the like all the 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 shill stuff and everything. It's just it's so funny from the start. Like people don't realize like one thing that's you know people are saying like you know you're advocating that people should watch this show, and I'm like well uh, uh, like I can't talk about it if I don't watch it. You know, like we can't, yeah. like, and talking about it if, is what I do. <laughs> and I don't care if you watch it or not, but right. what I'm going to say won't make any sense. Won't make any sense to you if you haven't watched it. So, like, but so, yes, I'm planning to watch it. Yes. Do I think it's interesting? Of course I think it's interesting. I think lots of things are interesting. I think bad adaptations are interesting. Like, there's mm -hmm. going to be interesting things to talk about. And that's why not being invested in it is so interesting, is, is so, is like, it's, it's such a good place to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's I mean, like the, the, the Hobbit films are the classic example. And this is the thing that blows my mind about the lack of perspective that people were having with the Rings of Power thing. Um, the thing that blows my mind is that the Hobbit films were not that long ago. I mean, it was 10 years. Right. Um, we're 10 years away from a disastrously bad set of adaptations, which newsflash didn't wreck the Hobbit. Like, I still love The Hobbit as much as I did before seeing The Hobbit films. And what's more, The Hobbit films were uh, really interesting to talk about. Building up to them 
watching them um, as they, you know, analyzing them as they came out, talking about them afterwards. They're still really interesting to talk about. That doesn't mean I enjoy them. That doesn't mean I think that they're wonderful films. I don't. I think they're pretty bad films. But, um, but they're still interesting to talk about. There's still fascinating things that you can learn about Tolkien and come to appreciate better about The Hobbit and about The Lord of the Rings by watching and thinking through. Like, that's why analysis. It's it's. This kind of thing is completely independent of whether, like, the value judgment of whether or not you think it's good. And this is the thing that I've been frustrated by for the last year and a half, is that everyone keeps assuming that there's only one conversation to be had. Like, the mm. only conversation to be had is, is it, do they suck or do they, does it not suck? You know, and it's like, that's, that's... In my mind, that's not even an interesting conversation. That's to have. so limited. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. don't. I that's... literally don't care if <laughs> I like them or not, if they're good or not. That's. I mean, I, I, I maybe I care a little in the sense that oh, I yeah. would enjoy like, it even more if they're good. But yeah. I. I'm, but honestly, like, it's not going to have any impact in whether or not I watch, in whether or not I talk about it. Like, it's going to be, there will be really interesting things to be learned and lessons to be drawn from it and everything else, um, even if they turn out to be horrible, like the Hobbit films did, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't say I'm quite as diplomatic as Corey, but I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm aspiring to elements of that. I still find it hard to shelve all of my emotion for it. I don't think you're shelving it. You're just more interested no, in the analysis. That's the I, part that you latch on Exactly. To. That's the thing. And I, I think yeah. I'm emotion driven for all of this. So like, well, I'll be analytical, but I want to engage with the stuff that I care about. You know, so like, right. if I care about it, it's good. If it's good, I'll care about it more. There's, you know, there's a, there is that fine line. Like Phil said, it is easier to watch them when they're good. Yeah, it's easier to watch them when you're not cringing. And it's yeah. also easier to watch them when you're not cringing and your friends came with you to see this movie because you love it and it ends and they're going, that was terrible. This is your favorite book? And you're like, oh yeah. no, like such right. a missed opportunity. So like, I, I get all of that, Yeah. but it's, it's such a freedom to bring analysis like as what we do you know because i don't have to engage in that you know it it, right. it just kind of shows when a movie ends and somebody next to me looks at me and goes what do you think i hate that question because yes. like i'm not ready to answer that unless you have four hours to spare ready <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah right. i prefer right. to stick with the analysis and shelf the emotion for just my own i, my, I think my, own my my theory maggie about the difference between your reaction and mine is I think it's the difference between, um, like, a, an art historian and a painter going to an exhibit together, right? Ooh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. It, you're closer to the film side, so yeah. like, what was done well or what was done, like the the actual like the Brush strokes and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I I mean, again, as a analyst right like the art historian would look at a painting and be like well this is a really interesting example of this person's Ooh, no, style it's unsuccessful in certain ways but it's interesting to yeah. compare those unsuccessful ways to the more successful work that they yeah, did yeah, yeah. during this other period right whereas the artist would just look at it and be like that's that's horrible <laughs> right like this, <laughs> this person has no idea about brush strokes oh my goodness yeah. like this could be this could have been no so skill, much better no if talent, they their lack oh, of yeah. color understanding oh yeah <laughs> exactly that's great. I like so that. i that's that's that i've i've off I, I remember like the very first i'm remembering the bus ride back to the hotel from the new york premiere 
when we just watched episodes one and two. And um, like the first thing you were thinking about several of the production things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was I was like thinking about red haired Feanorian children, you know, in the opening sequence, right? (laughs) I had forgotten that Corey and I like hold away in the corner of the bus and we're like, (laughs) go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't register with me because I didn't realize red hair was a problem. Then he explained it to me and I was like, no, it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. That was was good. But anyway, yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I that's oh, whenever I'm watching, especially an adaptation, especially a Tolkien adaptation, like for me personally, like, did I like it? And do I um, uh, because also increasingly, like, again, I'm just like I'm just a hardcore nerd. Like I do this. I don't put on an analysis hat because it's my job. Right. Right. I do this job because that's what I love doing. Like I can't, I can't turn that off. I can't stop doing. <laughs> I'm doing this all the time. I mean, ask my family who right. will be annoyed by me when I'm, you know, like I'll be watching something, you know, while I'm doing dishes or something, and then I'll come in and rant and be like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, did, did oh, this thing that they were doing. Sometimes, usually, I won't go in unless it's a cool thing that I am excited to talk about. Usually, yeah. I won't make a complaint, but um. Uh, but anyway, like I love this like this kind of thing, and so increasingly, even to me, the question of did you like it is like, well, if it gives me really interesting stuff to talk about, then that's what I like, right? Right. That, that's that that that's what I like, and you know the um, you know we all have uh, the the kind of like categories that matter to us, right? Some people are like, oh, like if the you know, if if the visuals are really stunning, I can forgive it. Like, but but like the plot's not great. Like, whatever, right. it's it's okay as right. long as the visuals are good. Or and, and people be the other way around, right? Like yeah. it was all empty and the there was no real story. Great. Yeah, exactly. Right. Acting, that's another thing. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it was so beautifully acted. I don't care that it was poorly written and the story was ridiculous. Um, whatever. Um, different people have different priorities, right? For me, yeah. like, you know. Is it interesting to think and talk about? Is like number one in like almost everything else. Like I, I, I will not even notice. People will be like, "Oh, that was really well acted." I'm like, "Was it? I'm, okay." Like it I didn't even I, register. I, yeah. Didn't, didn't even register. Yeah, right? I wasn't. But even that's why about it's so it. interesting to have different people at the table. You know, like I was having this conversation about too many writers in the room, and I was like, "Well, yeah, sometimes that can be difficult because everybody wants to have their voice heard, but sometimes that's a total strength because they're going to see something like you see stuff I don't see, and vice versa." Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what makes the conversation so much stronger and can make a script so much stronger if you yeah. bring those different skills to the table. So diversity right. and skills is a good thing, too, it even in watchers, thing. even in it viewers. Is. <laughs> it is. I'm going to call us because I hear dinner happening. So I'm, Yeah, I'm exactly. We are coming up to the end of our time here. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody. I know we, it, summer has been a little bit weird. We've been uh, traveling and Maggie and I uh, timed our family travel poorly uh, <laughs> we lined things up poorly this summer and my husband's um, flight landed during other minds and hands last week so exactly. it's like uh, oh well we'll be here next week though right we'll be here next Normal. week okay. we will. yeah yeah and next um, week is episode 50 right Higgy baby is. we gotta think of something to do yeah. wear party hats let's, let's wear hats <laughs> okay that's where recommendations welcome <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no if you guys have any anything that you'd love to see us talk about in the 50th episode be happy to do that um all right very cool so yeah that that'll be that'll be fun so we'll be back next week i think we'll be away i'll be away the week after that so yeah. it'll be another little hiatus but we'll um we're um we're 
we're coming down. So, all right. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Bye now.